0: Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Al Anderson here at the home studio. I was uh, up early this morning as I usually am and I uh, headed over to social media and I saw some great pictures of the Viking statue up in Gimli wearing a grad hat and the man responsible, the owner of the company responsible for that hat, Hoplock Metalworks in Arnez, Justin Hoplock joins us now. Justin, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Great job on the hat, man. Thanks a lot. Whose idea was that? Did the grads come up with that?
1: Uh, the, the grads came up with it, and uh, they actually went up there and uh, did all the measurements and everything and handed me a drawing, and uh, I just ended up making it.
0: And obviously, it's made out of metal. I mean, hop-block metal works. So how much does that thing weigh?
1: Uh, i say roughly about 70 pounds. Wow. And how big
0: is it? What are the dimensions? Because it's tough to tell up there on top of the Viking.
1: <laughs> um, the, the square part on top is, uh, four feet by four feet. And the circle part that goes around the head is, uh, 16 inches round.
0: And it's fantastic. It's blue. You've got the yellow tassel there. What's the tassel made out of?
1: Um, the tassel is actually uh, just yellow braided rope, and we just frayed it at the end, and yeah, it turned out pretty good.
0: I'm telling you, man, I have been so blown away by the 2020 grads and the way they've come up with these incredibly creative ways uh, to celebrate uh, their their graduation. W- when they came to you with this idea, uh, you, it had to put a smile on your face.
1: Yeah, I was uh, pretty excited, and. And I thought it was a good idea, and I thought, well, it's, it's a good way to um, give them a graduation under these circumstances. So.
0: And so they went up and measured, and then you made it, and then who had the job of putting it up
1: there? <laughs> Actually, the, the RM put it up uh, Monday morning, I guess.
0: Yeah. And how long is it going to stay up there?
1: Um, I don't know. I asked and they said they weren't on, they weren't sure, but I'm pretty sure it'll probably be up there a few weeks for sure.
0: Well, I'll tell you, people are going to hear about it here and they are going to be checking. I mean, the statue in Gimli is, you know, legendary anyhow, but now a lot of people are going to be driving by just to check out the hat. Great job on that. And, and obviously, uh, they came to the best in the community when it comes to metalworks. How long has Hoplock Metalworks been around? <laughs>
1: Actually, I just started it up in uh, 2018, so uh, not that long. But uh, we're getting our name out there, and uh, yeah.
0: Good for you. Um, what's the? Is that the weirdest thing you've ever made out of metal? Like, or, or is there? What would be number two if that's number one?
1: Uh, number two would either be I made a five-foot-wide uh, curling rock for the Scotties in Gimli two years ago. Or I've made a seven-foot-tall 3D metal dinosaur. Okay, so you've done some weird stuff in metal then. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, listen, great job, Justin. I really appreciate you jumping on and and telling us about it. Fantastic job. Uh, Shameless plug here. I guess that, well, I know they can find uh, HopLock Metalworks on Facebook because that's where I found you and got your number. Have you got a website or a phone number? Here's your chance to plug it.
1: Uh, no, you guys can check us out on Facebook at Hoplock Metalworks, or uh, my phone number. Give me a shout is one two zero four two zero six zero zero three one
0: two zero six zero zero three one two zero six zero zero three one. And Hoplock is spelled H O P L O C K. Justin Hoplock, great job! Thanks a lot. Thank you, Justin. Justin Hoplock, owner of Hoplock uh, Metalworks up in Arnez in the Interlake, <laughs> the Viking. In Gimli is wearing a grad hat. Now, Cam Poitras back there producing the show at CJOB as I do the show here at my home studio. Do you know the official name of those grad hats? We call them grad hats, right? But what, what are they officially called? No clue. I have absolutely no I had idea. No, I knew they had a name. I had no idea either. I looked it up. It's a, mor- uh, a mortar a mortarboard hat.
1: Oh, a mortarboard hat. Okay,
0: like just like mortar, M O R T A R, one word, B O A R D, mortarboard
1: cap. Okay, well,
0: yeah, there you go. But new. it's way easier just to say ah, the correct
1: cap. <laughs> you say you say mortar mortarboard hat. Uh, mortar board hat. I, Nobody knows what you're talking about. You say mortar well, right. hat. Well, right. Yes,
0: yeah. And then what do you do with the tassel when you graduate? Oh. I th- you, you, move you, it, you move it to the other side, Obviously, you didn't right? graduate. Yes. No, you- no I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, you take it from
1: one side and you move it to the other, right? There you yeah, go. Right, yeah.
0: Yes. I think you take it from... Let me think now. I think, I think you move think it you to take the left. It, really? Or do you move it to the right? We're going to oh, have to I Google that now. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I was going to say, I think you move it from the left over to the right. But it may be from the right to the left. I'm not sure. Anyhow, congratulations to all the 2020 grads out there. Great job. Man, that's... that. that I, I don't know. I was blown away by Swan Valley when they had all the pictures on the banners on Main Street. Um, they, they had the, uh, the drive through red carpet uh, celebration, Seven Oaks, Met School. I think this one might might top it all. I like the grad cap on the Viking in Gimli. Fantastic. The director of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business joins us now, Jonathan Allward. Jonathan, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Hal.
0: Are you getting tired of talking about the (laughs) CERB?
2: No, I think yesterday's announcement was a positive one for a lot of small businesses across the province. You know, now that we're in phase three and more and more businesses are opening every day, it seems I think it's going to become increasingly important to be able to get back all those employees you need to uh, get your business rolling and, and hopefully the economy along with it. And most of our listeners voting at CJOB.com,
0: it's our question of the day, are agreeing with you. About 60-40 are saying, yeah, uh, good announcement by the province, let's get off the CERB and uh, and get back to work. People milking the system. And I listen, I said this earlier, um, I like to think there's not a lot of that going on. Is there a lot of that going on, do you think?
2: Well, we've been hearing from business owners you know, over the last several weeks, really really months, about um, it being challenging to bring back employees already. And I was even, you know, looking at Phase 1, uh, looking towards Phase 2, and we actually surveyed on it across the country because we'd been hearing it so much and found that of those businesses with staffing challenges, which in Manitoba was about half, uh, the majority said that the SERB program and the student benefit program with it were the biggest reason preventing employees from coming back to work when those jobs became available. There are lots of legitimate reasons, like you could have uh, health challenges or a member of your, your household could be at, uh, at greater risk. Um, you could have childcare issues, although that's uh, winding down, fortunately, as, as things continue to open up more, uh, transit challenges to a lesser degree. But um, again, the prevailing challenge preventing employees from coming back to work was the SERP program.
0: John Graham was on this morning with the start from the Retail Council of Canada. If I have time, I'm going to play a clip of him where he says, yeah, CERB was an issue, but an even bigger problem is uh, eviction protection for retailers, business people,
2: and the cost of PPE. Would you agree those are bigger issues? They're they're big issues, absolutely. And I I think the reality when you dive into it is Manitoba's small businesses still, even in Phase 3, need as much help as they can get from the government. I think yesterday's announcement was a good one. I think it definitely addresses problems. There are still outstanding challenges. You know, July 1st is coming up very, very soon, Hal. And with that, a lot of businesses are fearful that they're going to get evicted because they haven't been able to pay or they might not be able to pay this month. Getting that uh, eviction protection in place for small businesses this week is going to be really really important we've been working closely with the province to achieve that i think i'm talking to john and the retail council and other business stakeholders daily to try and uh, push this across the finish line so hopefully we'll hear more by the end of the week let me dig into that
0: a bit what would that look like so then a landlord would not be able to evict a commercial tenant for non-payment of rent period that simple
2: i in a nutshell yeah and i mean you know. It depends which model. Other provinces have come up with different models to accomplish this. Even Quebec had a really interesting policy that we've been recommending for Manitoba, where um, they were looking at also subsidizing the amount that landlords needed to contribute to participate in the secret program. And I think that's been one of the biggest barriers to uptake, uh, is that landlords have to eat 25% of their Mm -hmm. monthly rent bill for three consecutive months. And that's a huge bill when a lot of landlords are struggling right now, too. So, um, you know, that would be a very positive initiative to go along with this that we've been asking for. But, but you're absolutely right. I think if you look at Saskatchewan, those businesses that would qualify for the secret program, the rent assistance, because they had 70% drop in revenues, they're the ones that are going to get protection and their landlords will have to participate or, or continue to risk uh, uh, losing out other revenues.
0: And you guys at the CFIB are really good about talking to your members, and you've got lots of them right across the country and here in Manitoba and in Winnipeg. What are they telling you? Are people coming back uh, to the brick-and-mortar stores? Are they still supporting these retailers, these businesses online? Are they nervous about getting out there and, and shopping again? How has the demand been? Has it been a pent-up demand, or is it
2: a bit of a, a more cautious uh, rollback? I I would say it's been a mixed bag so far. Unfortunately, you know, I've talked to owners that have said they have a loyal customer base that has just been propping them up and so supportive, and I think that's true for a lot of businesses. But is that enough to get them back to normal revenues? Because when we researched it most businesses need very close to normal revenues to be able to survive in the long term look at restaurants they're operating on you know five percent margins in many cases so uh... we need to make sure that people are getting out and supporting these businesses safely if you have you know reservations about that understandably so there are a lot of ways to support you know not going to a dining room or going into the retail shop you can still call or order online with a lot of these small businesses Don't think about Amazon, call a small business, and I bet that in most cases the business owners will not only be very happy to have your support, but they would probably meet a lot of those same prices given the circumstances especially.
0: And real quick answer, is there a timeline on when you think the province might have something to say on commercial rent
2: the next few days, or is it imminent, very close? Well, it's got to be by the end of the week. If you look at July 1st coming up, it has to be, and uh, we're certainly pushing them hard to make sure that's the case jonathan thanks for your time my pleasure thanks Hal.
0: it is world ufo day and here he is live on the phone chris Rutkowski. chris nice to chat with you hello there al is this kind of like your christmas or what is it like yeah,
3: yeah, it's yeah. This is this is the big one. This this is it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is the history of World UFO Day? Is there a history, or is it just a day that somebody picked to to call it that?
3: No, there actually is a, a history behind this. There actually is a second uh, World UFO Day coming up uh, in July, but uh, that one is just sort of picked randomly. But this one, back uh, seventy three years ago, uh, in nineteen forty seven. Uh, a fellow named uh, Kenneth Arnold, who was a private pilot, uh, was helping out with a search and rescue mission. That they were trying to find somebody uh, that had gone down, and he was flying his plane around Mount Rainier in Washington State. And he uh, uh, saw nine, what he described as, um, I don't know, he didn't say they were flying saucers. He said there were some sort of uh, uh, circular objects, uh, that were flying along, skimming, uh, flying as if they were skipping, like uh, you were skipping a plate across uh, a lake or something like that. When you throw like a frisbee, this is before frisbees, of course. Mm-hmm. And when he was asked about this, uh, the news people uh, picked up on this whole flying saucer thing, and that's that's how we got the term flying saucer. The heat actually didn't call it a flying saucer, but that's where we got the term from. And hmm. uh, so, seventy-three years ago, uh, we still have this this phenomenon that just is persisting.
0: Interesting. You're actually talking to us today from Falcon Lake, which is the site of an incredibly famous, maybe Canada's most famous UFO incident. Absolutely,
3: yeah. I'm I'm right here at uh, at sort of ground zero, the place that's uh, that's well known for. Uh, when in 1967, a fellow by the name of Stefan Hollick, uh was doing some amateur prospecting just north of Falcon Lake, poking around, looking for rocks that might have some silver or, or gold. And he saw, for all intents and purposes, uh, a Hollywood-style flying saucer, dome-disc-shaped thing, silver, metallic, came down. Um, uh, there he actually saw two. One came down and landed uh, on a rock outcropping just north of Falcon Lake. He walked up to it. Uh, the thing took off, blasting him with a uh, with some uh, gas or, or uh, just some heat, and set his clothes on fire, set fire to some pine needles and so forth. The thing took off. He was treated at the Misericordia Hospital, uh, and the case was investigated by the Canadian Air Force, uh, the RCMP, even the United States Air Force's Project uh, uh, Blue Book and uh, Colorado study came up to investigate as well. And you know it's it's one of the classics, one that stood the test of time because uh, Mr. Maholic insisted this is what happened. I mean, there was physical evidence found at the site, um, which is where I am right now. You can actually get to it. Um, uh, in fact, the folks out at Falcon Beach Ranch uh, take you on a uh, on a uh, escorted horseback ride. It's it's a kind of rugged country you, you go in uh, or on, on horseback uh, into this place, and it's. Uh, Hard to imagine that somebody would you know, would burn uh, pine needles and whatever and leave a big ring in the middle of nowhere because the other factor is that there was radioactive silver uh, pieces found uh, at this site and uh, melted into a crack in the rock. So the question is, how did that get here? What did this guy see? And, you know, the RCMP and, and uh, the Canadian Air Force both said that they had no explanation for uh,
0: what happened. You know, you're an interesting character, Chris Rakowski, because uh, you sometimes appear to be a non-believer, and then other times you seem very open to uh, uh, the fact that UFOs may be more than just unidentified flying objects. Like just now, when you're talking about the Mahalik case out there in Falcon Lake, you you spoke as though you believe Mahalik. You've written a book about it, you know, Stan now... um, have you come to believe it more over the years? Because I think most people have too, or maybe I'm wrong, correct me on that, but I think back when it happened compared to now, I think that story is believed more now than it was then. Yeah,
3: I think the story uh, is gaining credibility. There's no question of that. I mean, it's been done a few times uh, on Unsolved Mysteries and uh, some of the other classic TV shows and some other TV shows, even just before COVID, had been out here to do some uh, some investigation and doing some filming. Um, I, I, you know, I knew uh, Mr. Mahalik personally. I knew the family personally. I knew Stan. I used to hang out with him as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure what it was exactly. You know, it, it couldn't possibly have been a flying saucer from outer space because those things don't exist. And yet at the same time, <laughs> uh, you know, he saw something. Uh, and there's a, there's a suspicion that maybe it was some sort of secret military craft. In fact, Mr. Yeah. Mihalik himself thought you know, he was familiar, uh, having been in the military with uh, you know, crafts and so forth. He was a millword. And so you know, it, it's hard to imagine what this thing was if it wasn't, other than some sort of secret uh, you know, vertical takeoff and landing craft, because this was just at mm-hmm. the beginning of the Apollo landings and so forth. Uh, but it's, it's a fascinating case. It's part of Manitoba history. Everybody knows uh, in the Falcon yeah. Lake area, Les Talk Lake, the story. Everybody seems to know somebody who knows the guy who was there or, or so forth. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting part of Canadian history. In fact, the Canadian government itself recognized that this was a special thing because they sent out a, a commemorative coin. They struck a commemorative coin a few years ago um that acknowledge this is one of you know canada's most historic events
0: and by the way there's chris rukowski there's the chris rukowski i know in the last minute or two there uh the chris Rokowski that i i know and love came back and and you know shook his head and realized there has to be something uh more um realistic behind this story (laughs) so let me ask you a question because you put the ufo reports right across canada together i know you're getting close to coming out with some numbers on that and um you know there's all kind as you know i love this stuff right and and it's Mm -hmm. not that i believe one thing or another i just like listening to all the theories and the thoughts what's your best guess then that it's not aliens from another planet uh or us from the future you know passing to a, uh, to our time from another time or through dimensions, that it's, it's probably then top-secret military craft that are being tested? Is that your best guess? Because all of these cases can't be written off as a weather balloon. Yeah, there's no question.
3: I mean, I, we, we can explain most of the cases that are reported to us every year, but there's every uh, year uh, a small residual amount that just sort of makes you scratch your head. And this case, back from 1967, gosh, you know, long time ago. And yet, you know, if it was a military craft, and you know, that's sort of, you know, you kind of have to go with that. And yet, you know, we never used that kind of technology. I mean, Apollo, you know, went to the moon on a rocket that was very, very different than a flying saucer that can take off and zip around the skies. So what happened to that technology after that? Um, so it, it you know that argues against it being some sort of military device so if we're left with aliens is it possible that they're out there and you know as an astronomer yeah there, there's no question that there's going to be aliens out there can they get here from there it's tough you know it's uh it's uh, it, you know we just don't have any way right now of figuring out how to do that uh, or how another civilization could do it but you know if Somebody with a few million years on us might be able to figure out a way of bending the the physics laws a little bit, not breaking the physics laws, mind you, but bending them in a few ways that we haven't imagined yet and might be able to travel around with space a little bit. But until we can, you know, actually have some hard evidence, we've got some darn good cases out there.
0: Chris, happy World UFO Day. And to you, too, Hal.